0: Blob Talk Radio Oops (laughs) How about a little introduction Okay, there we go Yes, I still love that metaphor of sweeping the streets I used to own. It's great for healthcare. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to ACO Watch, a midweek review. I'm your principal host, Greg Masters. And we are broadcasting on Wednesday, December the 28th, from l- the literal winter paradise of San Diego, California. And I mean, the weather here is just gorgeous. So if you're elsewhere in the company shoveling snow or otherwise... Uh, being subjected to what the winter typically offers in the East or the Midwest. uh, My heart goes out for you. We've just been having spectacular weather. So to close out our 2011 series of broadcasts, uh, I'm delighted to have an opportunity to chat with uh, blogger, health informatics, and government 2.0 guru, and I use that uh, only in the most affectionate way, and fellow health Tweet Brian A. Hare, also known on Twitter as at A. A-H-I-E-I-A-H-I-E-R. So, welcome, Brian.
1: Thanks, Greg. It's fun to be on with you.
0: Yes, yes. I'm delighted you could make it. Um, uh, now, Brian lives in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and more specifically, the Dalles, Oregon, where he lists his interests as health care for the Mid-Columbia region and works at Mid-Columbia Medical Center. Now, I was struck recently by a tweet that Brian put up that spoke um, optimistically or favorably about the uh, the Wyden-Ryan uh, proposal, the bipartisan proposal. And, and since I'm somewhat of a skeptic about just about anything Paul Ryan does, I, I, I was intrigued by Brian's take, and I asked him, well, can you give me some sense of why – Uh, You thought uh, 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 this was promising, and Brian replied in two words, bipartisan. So I I get that, and uh, (laughs) considering all the sort of toxic uh, stuff that goes on in Washington, anything that that comes out which can be tagged bipartisan is is usually on its face worth taking a look at. So. I thought today we would discuss the wine riding proposal, not in any detail, but in in a general way. And if we have some time uh, in the broadcast, uh, we'll touch on ACOs, health informatics, and analysis as gateways to ACO formation and perhaps success. But before we begin, uh, let me say that when I first decided to up-level Twitter chats to the Internet radio domain, one of my first programs that I was involved in, I got uh, a call from Brian A. Here, and uh, with a dog barking in the background, we had a somewhat extensive conversation. So this this actual conversation is an anniversary of sorts. So uh, I don't know if you remember that day, Brian, but uh, oh, you I were do. one of my first. <laughs> You're on your cell phone, probably by the river somewhere. At any anyway, rate, well welcome and so let me throw it to you in in a general way um tell us give us some some of your thoughts about uh what you see as uh being hopeful in the in the Wyden and proposal and if you want to back up and provide any context uh by all means let's uh, let's kick it open
1: well you know first off being from Oregon um and Ron Wyden is one of our senators here and um he, he's a fairly progressive guy so just right off the bat when you see the headline that uh, Senator Wyden and uh, Paul Ryan agree on something and have come out with a document together. um, That's pretty significant. And, you know, so looking back at, first off, you know, let me, let me, uh, you know, kind of set the stage here. Obviously, you know, Greg, you have a well staked out position on reform and and where you think things need to go. I'm not really sure how it all needs to work, but, um, You know, I don't like really anything that I've seen so far. There's elements, though, of a lot of different pieces that I like. I like some elements of of the Ryan plan that passed the House. I like some elements of the Affordable Care Act, and I like some elements of this. I think this um, plan that Senator Wyden and and Congressman Ryan have come out with, and I'd encourage everyone to read it, is a good starting point for the conversation and one of the best analysis that I've seen of it so far is uh from Reinhardt in the um in the New York Times. And so, you know, in his economics blog uh just before Christmas he put out a Weiden Ryan plan deja vu all over again. Excellent analysis. He's he's obviously not a big fan of the plan as it stands yeah, you know, he points points to some important historical context on the plan, and that this really um, has been an evolving idea and concept, starting way back with, with Nixon and his attempts at health reform. This plan borrows heavily from Bill Clinton's, President Clinton's plans um, for health reform, but includes things that w- would... Uh, would be able to get you know conservatives like Paul Ryan to to join in on the plan, you know the the political analysis of the plan is a bit tricky, but you know one thing that I think should make uh, progressives and those in favor of, of the Affordable Care Act happy in this plan is that this plan depends on implementation of the Affordable Care Act. So for Ryan to sign on to a plan that depends on the Affordable Care Act, yet at the same time. You know the uh, the party's calling for repeal of that act. It it, it, it kind of it, it's an interesting um, political dynamic to the plan. Now, of course, on the on the uh, on the Democrat side, um, they're not very you know the White House has come out against it, and they're not very happy with Senator Wyden for embracing this plan because it it really stops some of the political attacks that that they've been able to have leading into the presidential and, and uh, races for Congress. So the political implications of a plan really are, I, I think, overshadow some of the, the policy implications. But there's a few things in the plan that I really like, and one is that um, using the exchanges, giving seniors a, a competitive marketplace where they can choose a plan the same way that members of Congress are, are, are current, and other federal employees are currently doing it, and, um, I, I think that's a one big plus for the plan.
0: I, I agree and call it naive, but I I'd rather review, um, proposals on their substance versus their political feasibility. Uh, but clearly we don't live in a vacuum and, uh, it's definitely a, a key consideration. Let me take us through, um, you mentioned exchanges. That's a good point. Um, Here's uh, a little uh, summary that was put up by the American Health Lawyers Association, and they pretty much outline it that the plan would create a new insurance exchange for Medicare beneficiaries starting in 2022. A little far out there to have uh, any kind of near-term uh, impact on, on the uh on the the inflation gravy train as we say. Uh where a traditional medical plan would compete alongside a Medicare approved private plan. And that goes to the point you um, brought up with the Huey Reinhardt uh, article where he talked about this dates back to Nixon and, and the so called managed competition days. And quite candidly that that's a that's a uh, criticism that must be taken um rather seriously because the track record, so to speak, of private plan competition in, in in the Medicare space, as well as the commercial space, there's not much evidence there that it actually works. In fact, if you look at today's iteration of the private plan um, uh, alternative for Medicare, which is Medicare Advantage, which is a successor to Medicare Choice, which was the original, is it's costing the Treasury about 114% of the traditional Medicare fee-for-service program, so using just this private plan contracting option as a potential, you know, a um, as a potential way to, to to restrain the growth rate of of cost increases, I, I don't know. I don't think the evidence is there.
1: Well, and you know, you know, one thing I think that's interesting in this plan is that you know it's certainly you're looking out at it all the way out to uh, 2022, saying it's not going to affect anybody 55 and older, um, and it, it definitely you know puts a bullet in any idea of, of moving towards uh, single payer, um, even public option. I mean, you, you look at this plan and and it really talks about introducing more. Of the the private marketplace into Medicare, um, so I think in some in some that this likely where a lot of the progressives are not happy with Senator Wyden on this. He has a different position than many of them do, and so obviously I think you know there's those on the far left and those on the far right that are never going to go for this plan. Uh, the question is, where can we get to a point where we'll be able to get something done? Because you know we can we can argue, and this is where I, I I agree with you. It would be great if we could say you know let's look at everything on the merits. But we also have to consider what could actually become law. And you know as we know from the the healthcare debates in Congress, even with a, a House and a Senate and a President controlled by one party, it's very difficult legislatively to accomplish these big, majestic aims. And so we have to be realistic and pragmatic um, as, as we approach, you know, viable solutions. You know, my, so I'd love to kind of pivot a little bit into some of the discussion on accountable care organizations and, and even, in particular, some of the informatics components of that because, you know, I think payment reform is critical. And obviously, you know the the uh, the drag on our on our budget um, is it, is something that we're going to have to deal with, but it's not it's not going to happen without considerable delivery reform as well. And so, um, one thing I like because I, I actually like a lot of components of the Affordable Care Act, and particularly when we talk about innovative ways to. Uh, change the delivery system. And when we talk about um, moving away from the, the entire concept of fee-for-service and moving into uh, paying for value. And while the Affordable Care Act doesn't adequately address that issue and, and neither does the and ryan plan, one thing I like about the Widen ryan plan is, is that it builds on the Affordable Care Act, rather than saying, let's just destroy everything, at least we've got people talking. And I think that that is a huge step in the right direction.
0: I agree. It's definitely going to stimulate conversation and hopefully proactive solution-type conversation, but it remains to be seen once it's tagged with the political sort of paint it uh the ideologues into the come into the conversation and it's less of less about sound health policy and more about political bantering so if, if there's anything us sort of health wonks can do it, is to try and keep uh you know the rhetoric um uh, you know centered on on the sound parts of health policy. Like you say, there's lots of good stuff in the Affordable Care Act, absolutely, but there are a lot of people out there talking about government-controlled health care, which in my view in reviewing the act is that uh, it couldn't be further from the truth. Other than setting some broad parameters of what it means to be in the the business of health insurance, if you will, uh, the government pretty much uh, lays out a pretty wide field where people get to play. And when you add the innovation stuff, that's coming out of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid uh, Innovation, uh, there's uh, an awful lot of... We we have no idea what kinds of promising, potentially promising alternative delivery systems are going to come out that have material impact on uh, more creative ways of delivering health care and providing services to seniors. So it's definitely an open question as to what the future has here. Absolutely.
1: I think the Innovation Center is a stroke of genius. Um, I think that's going to be the long-term... Legacy that Don Berwick leaves on the healthcare system, because there is going to be, um, uh, I, I predict, some pretty significant results out of that. You know, and, and as far as the Affordable Care Act, you know, the the uh, lobbyists for the insurance industry and the pharmaceutical industry were heavily involved in that process and and really got their way in a lot of respects. So, um, you know, it, it certainly is not a government takeover of anything. Uh, if anything, it's a gov- it's an expensive government subsidy of an existing system, in, in a lot of areas. So there's there's problems with the act. It needs to still be further refined, and I think that you know the the Wyden Ryan plan is a starting point for some of those areas where it needs to be there needs to be changes. You know, means testing. You know, it's funny you think about the uh, Occupy Wall Street protesters and people talking about the 99 percent. You know, and, and people in my family that are on Medicare now that are very well off and don't need Medicare um at all. And yet there there's no means testing available. There's no mechanism to provide uh services based on, on your need in the Medicare plan. And and um I I think that, you know, some of the things that they that they insert into the Wyden Ryan plan are gonna help. Um you know, and, and call it a voucher system, call it premium support, um, but uh, there's some there's some good elements there, and obviously, you know, we'll, we'll need a lot more detail than a 13 page white paper, um, and, and it'll be a long conversation, I think, in Congress, and it, probably nothing will come of it until after the election next year, and the dust settles a little bit politically. But again, I think it's a great starting place. Um, I hope that we do have a, a few moments to talk about IT though since I'm a geek and um I'm I'm really interested in in uh using technology to improve our system along with all the, the policy stuff.
0: Okay. Absolutely. All geeked and welcome here. Uh I just wanted to uh uh, refer back to this blog post by David Williams, uh, which is titled, Why Ryan Medicare Plan is a Loser, and just tick down these reasons, and some of which we've already addressed, but we, I just want to put it out there. He says uh, <clears throat> he, he considers it a loser. Uh, it's admirable that two prominent legislators from across the aisle have come together on the pivotal. Fiscal question of our era, but the plan itself is disappointing and even counterproductive. It's not just that I disagree with the details, which I do, the underlying principles themselves are also problematic. To quickly summarize the plan, it's a modification of the earlier Ryan plan that would have switched Medicare over to a voucher system. To be used to pay for private plans. The Wyden Ryan version keeps the voucher element but also leaves the fee for service Medicare intact. Now, here's the problem as David sees it. One, the plan would keep everything the same for people 55 and older, which you point out. According to the first principle, quote, seniors would not be forced to reorganize their lives because of the government's mistakes, end quote. Two, the program's provisions don't kick in until 2022. Three, the plan relies on competition among health plans to bring down costs. Four, the plan places caps on spending and introduces rules on minimum a minimum benefit levels. And five, the plan includes a defined contribution option for private employers with under a hundred employees so what's wrong with all these ideas quite literally a lot one medicare fiscal crisis is here today it's not something that can be put off until the next generation two the medicare tax only pays about half of medicare's cost now and three people 55 and over are at least as culpable as those below that age for getting us into this mess now here's where i strongly disagree with david and i i, I posted a comment on the site the idea that the Medicare patient is somehow responsible uh, for getting us into this mess just it just doesn't it doesn't resonate with me. Clearly, aging is associated with the increased utilization of, of services, and clearly lifestyle style choices drive health status, and ultimately the demand for health care services. But to say that the Medicare beneficiary is responsible for these cathedrals of medicine that, we have, uh, um, that, that we've erected with excess capacity and maldistribution and inefficient uh, um, uh, financial incentives, to me, completely misses the point. So I'm, I'm blown away by his, one of his conclusions. So let me throw all that at you and see if, if anything resonates.
1: Well, yeah, you know, and, and I, I have a lot of respect for David. I think he's, he's a brilliant thinker. Um, I don't agree with all of his points, and, you know, we don't have time to go through every every one of them. I'll say where I do agree with him, you know, and he's, he talks about what he would prefer. And uh, one of his points there is he would prefer a focus on reforming the delivery system and payment methodologies, not just tinkering with financing. And I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. I think that's where, you know, you mentioned these cathedrals of, of medicine that we have, and it, it reminds me of the, the the concept that Eric Dishman lays out pretty, from Intel. He lays out pretty well uh, of the mainframe healthcare system and, you know, an analogy to the computer industry where you moved from having mainframes where you had to have a terminal into the mainframe to do computing to the personal computer and even now smartphones and mobile where we've got a computer in our pocket and that healthcare is currently in this mainframe institutionalized, you have to have a terminal into the mainframe, the, the hospital high on the hill in order to to get your healthcare and that's the way the delivery system is currently organized but the revolution that's occurring is healthcare is moving out into the community. It'll be in people's homes. It'll be in your pocket on your smartphone. And I I think, um, you know, changing payment methodologies to adapt to the new delivery system that's going to occur over this next generation is going to have a a really big impact on costs and on the health uh, of people in the United States. Uh, But we also have to, you know, at at the federal level, they have to figure out how they're going to pay for all this stuff. And um, I I agree with you and your point, you know, your criticism of his conclusion. Um, Certainly, you know, people age and they have more health problems, and that's a reality, and we have to deal with that. And, um, you know, I, I, I think he's probably even more cynical than you are when looking at the plan, but at the same time, it's a starting point and i i think you know for well, for my support of of senator wyden on this is that he's he's put down a marker where we can begin conversation um there, there's a lot in the plan that's never going to come to fruition um but it, it's a it's a great conversation starter and we're here we are talking about it Today, instead of talking about you know health information exchange or insurance exchanges or electronic health records and meaningful use, what we're talking about this plan and talking about um, how we can all work together to solve some of these big problems.
0: Wouldn't that be nice? So, in the remaining time we have, let's talk a little bit about uh, ACOs, accountable care, health informatics, meaningful use, whatever you want wherever you want to go with that M health. Uh, you know just a just little vignette on the side my my mother who's 80 um she, uh, uh got her an iPad for uh, for Christmas and um and she's pretty good at the iMac I spent a lot of time on uh, uh on her Macintosh and knows how to navigate around rather well there uh pretty active on Facebook so she's uh, she's got a dog in the hunt and social media So, the transition to, uh, and she's not on a smartphone, she's got a feature phone, but the transition to iPad, it's interesting to watch, you know, the disconnects about the familiarity of navigating on an iMac desktop versus now this iPad, which is this mid-version between a smartphone and a desktop or a laptop, and uh, she's having difficulty just with general stuff. So, yeah maybe it's going to be on our our smartphones and 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 uh telemedicine is going to bring you know personalized care outside of the the bricks and sticks of medical centers into the home but there there's sure a, a grand canyon uh of a digital divide there when you talk about especially seniors 55 and up and how their facility to actually incorporate this stuff in their lives in such a way that it's meaningful to their to their their needs from a healthcare standpoint.
1: Absolutely, and th- and this is why um, I'm a big advocate of health promoters of community health workers. I think we need to deploy an entirely new healthcare workforce for uh, for this for the new way that health care is going to be provided in the future that's technology-enabled, so that if you had a community health worker that would go out to your mom's house and help her to set up her personal health record, would would show up at, you know, every couple of weeks. But it's probably not your mom that's in the target population I'm thinking of. You know, everybody knows that there's a, a small percentage of patients that account for a huge portion of the costs. And if we can just make a meaningful difference in their health, in their wellness, and in their lives, we can have a dramatic impact on lowering health care costs. And and that's the key. First identifying that patient population and then having targeted interventions that can reach those people where they live, in their homes, with a trained workforce that can go in and and use some of these The technology that's available. Now, in order to to do that, we need to to be, you know, and some of this ties into the health IT infrastructure that you need for an accountable care organization, right? First, you have to have information. So you have to have a database to be able to draw from. You have to have electronic health records. Um, You know, the the Meaningful Use uh, Incentive Program is a great kickstart to getting adoption of electronic health records, um, it's not going to be enough. I think, you know, the, an incentive is fine, but you need to be able to have uh, ongoing uh, financial incentives and make a business model around having electronic health records. Accountable care organizations accomplish that in a way that the Simple Incentive Program can't, and so uh, having an electronic health record having but now if we just simply take, you know, all of these paper records, these dead tree medical records that are predominantly where all of the healthcare information is stored in this country and we digitize them into disparate digital systems that are that are not interconnected, that are not interoperable, then we're not going to achieve the the goals of improving healthcare Delivery of improving the health of our friends and neighbors and our family and uh, lowering costs so there's going to have to be a layer on top of the the electronic health record adoption of health information exchange and you know there's two two tracks to that there's the technology piece that currently many healthcare delivery systems you know that are uh, that are disparate don't have the technology in place to uh, to share information, but there's also a, an organizational um, change that needs to occur because they really don't want to share information either. So an accountable care organization is, is you know, basically a virtual uh, integrated delivery network that would uh, that now there's a business model around. Well, wait, let's share information. I, I've got a kind of a bumper sticker that that I use to promote this idea and it's collaborate or die. And I think that healthcare institutions, large and small, need to realize that if they don't work together, then um then they're putting themselves at financial risk.
0: Ah. That reminds me, Hymns Orlando, Steve Adams, collaborate or die. <laughs> so so let me ask you, are you optimistic here? About, give us a sort of report card of, of where we are along, are along that adoption curve, you know, from last year to, to, to today. I mean, are, what
1: oh, are you excited about? You know, we're, we're really, we're, we're making good progress. We have a long way to go, but we're making good progress. We've made a good start. Um, we've We've barely taken the first step on this journey um you, know, you think about how far we've been able to come in just two short years you know with the high tech act and uh and now the implementation of you know pioneer acos how far we've been able to turn this massive ship that needs to be able to you know uh turn on a dime here and it's not we're, we're not going to get there overnight but i think we've made great progress so you look at the recent um reports from cms on EMR adoption on folks that have registered and, and actually many that have achieved meaningful use of electronic health records. Um, it, it's very encouraging. There's still some issues that we're going to have to face in the marketplace. Okay, The vendors, um, uh, there, there's a lot of interoperability concerns, and the direct project was a, a great push in, in being able to provide the the protocols and standards that we'll need for exchange, but, but again, that's just a start as well. I think you'll see a lot of great work uh, around Nationwide Health Information Network Governance. There'll be some rules coming out in in 2012 on that, and watch the work that results from the Standards and Interoperability Framework at the Office of the National Coordinator. Well
0: said, Brian. Uh, if you can stay, we can do a, a an after-hour uh, segment here for as long as you can stick around. But we're going to clo- close the live portion of the broadcast here in just a few seconds. I want to thank Brian A. here for his time today on the program. Wish everybody happy holidays and happy New Year. And we look forward to continuing this in 2012. The lineup will be announced shortly. Thanks again, Brian. And, again, if you can stick around, stick around. Hold a second. Thanks, Okay, Brian. The way this works is that we have a hard live stop at, uh, at on the half hour, but uh, we can talk further. And I wanted to see if I could get you to talk a little bit about Hims and how Hims may sort of talk to this uh, sort of status update of where we are in the electronic health records adoption curve, and, and what you, what you uh, maybe you could preview that.
1: Well, I have just a few moments, but I'll. I'll I will say this. You know, I've been um, watching as they're developing their. Uh, their agenda for the different sessions and helping a little bit and in, in shaping some of that in the social media center piece and looking at some of the other things that they're going to have around health information exchange. But I, I think quite honestly that 2012 Hymns is going to be one of the most important events um, uh, of the beginning of, of this year for healthcare. care. We are at a, Point right now where everything that is happening in healthcare transformation is hinging on technology, and that's you know that's the Super Bowl of health IT at HEMS and and that's the place where you'll find out from government and industry leaders and uh, you know healthcare health systems. What's going on and where we're headed. And so, uh, you know, anybody that's involved in healthcare needs to be at HIMSS this next year because it's really going to be quite amazing, I I expect. Two of the things I'll be focusing on at HIMSS, as far as blogging and talking to people, are the things that I think are going to have a really big impact going forward Uh, one is cloud based services, and the other is mobile. Um, and we talked a little bit about, you know, you alluded to mobile a little bit earlier, and uh, cloud is another one that, you know, um, it's having a big impact in, in all kinds of industries in IT, and I think it's also going to have a significant impact in the next three to five years in, in healthcare.
0: Okay, Brian, well, I appreciate those thoughts. Uh don't mean to hold you here, but do you have any sort of a concluding thoughts for the year, since this is a somewhat of a reflective period for many of us?
1: You know, I've been thinking. I've been thinking a lot about um, you know the year and all the big things that have happened this year. A um, couple of things. You know, you think of the changing of the guard at the O.N.C. with Dr. Blumenthal heading back to Harvard and uh, Dr. Mostashari taking the helm there. And I, I think Farzad has done a remarkable job. I mean, he's a he's he's really a great man, and uh, uh, I'm proud of the work that he's done um and then of course you know my my biggest this is uh this is an area that is the, it, it, it's a great great way for me and my family to have uh, long, extended conversations where we don't always agree on things. I'm, I'm a complicated person, somewhat like our healthcare system. I'm extremely complicated. <laughs> uh, so I have some very decidedly conservative viewpoints, and I have some pretty libertarian viewpoints and some pretty progressive viewpoints. But one thing I'll tell you is that I have been a huge fan for a long time of uh, Dr. Don Berwick, and I think he was the perfect person to uh, to move us into the health care of the future at, at the leading CMS, and so I'm so disappointed in our political system and its failure there. Um, you know, just like just just like some on the far left would say that Republicans want to throw Granny under the bus or over a cliff or end Medicare as we know it, and some of the um, then the hard right people talking about you know socialized medicine and and all that, and it just it's so poisonous and acrimonious that a great man like Don Berwick never could get confirmed as head of CMS, the perfect person just in 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 history to be heading that. However, he was there. Uh, for a time and will have a huge impact and legacy. So uh, even though I'm sad that in 2011 he departed, I think I'm going to be happy in 2012 when I see the ripples of effects of of uh, his time there. And um, on the IT front, you know, uh, technology advances so quickly, and you, know, you think it's hard to look back. You look back at 2011 and you think of where we were a year ago, so I like to look three to five years. You look three to five years back and then look 10 to 15 years back in technology and then think about what the future holds. You know, We've made a lot of progress in the last year, in 2011, uh, on technology, but some of it seems like we've been really taking a big breath before the plunge. Um, uh, so, again, I think uh, cloud, particularly cloud-based uh, EHRs and and Uh, Cloud-based health information exchange is is going to be a big thing in 2012. Uh, We've we've started to move in that direction in this past year, and then mobile. You look at all the uh, developer challenges that uh, Health 2.0 and HHS have partnered on, and then now you know pharma is doing. Everyone's doing developer challenges. Everyone is really pointing at let's find some good mobile apps that will improve health and wellness and so um, I I think that's going to have a big impact over the next year
0: Well, there you have it well spoken and absolutely kudos on the Don uh, Berwick situation that his legacy will uh, will live on so again Brian, thank you so much for your time today Uh, appreciate you uh, concluding the year for us here on ACL Watch and Midweek Review and Brian blogs at Ahir.blogspot.com, healthcare technology and government 2.0. Follow Brian on Twitter at Ahir, A H I E R. Again, Brian, best to your family. Enjoy the uh, beautiful Dallas. Hope to get up there one of these days. And uh, really glad you could join us today. Thanks a lot, Greg. Appreciate it. You have a great day. All right. You bet. Bye bye. So, with that, folks, we're going to. uh, Conclude 2011. What an incredible year, really, from health reform to the rollout of uh, implementation of the provisions of the Affordable Care Act. Obviously, Brian mentioned high tech, the the trifecta, the, the High Tech Act. was part of the era, the American Recovery and Real, era, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act. The high tech was part of that. Out of that. Followed up with the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, broadly defining provisions for ACOs, and then out of that came a notice of proposed rule on March the 31st, widely debated by the healthcare community. And I believe the notice, the final notice, was produced on uh, October 19, 2011. It's just been nonstop. And concurrent with that, all the developments in M Health, all the developments on the EHR and meaningful use front, lots of changes that. Uh, 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 on the government side, ONC, as Brian mentioned, some really bright bulbs in the government domain who are uh, stewarding this conversation of innovation and change in healthcare. So get ready for a just jam-packed year of 2012 of innovation and excitement in health care. So we're trying to do our part here to kind of track with what's going on, keep you informed, entertain a little bit along the way. So thanks again for joining us and uh keep listening appreciate your subscriptions your live participation and uh, any recognition on Twitter at ACL Watch or at 2HealthGuru so Greg Masters sign off for final time ACL Watch Midweek Review and join us next time Wednesdays 11am 2pm Pacific bye now